Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. And boy, do we have issues. We (laughs) hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are joined this morning by the incomparable Ellen Pogamiller of our legislative team. Good morning, Ellen. Morning. Glad to be here. Well, we are ready to talk about all the math, all the numbers, uh, the budget Billions. deal. Yeah, <laughs> the budget deal came out yesterday. Yeah. So as we know, at the very end of session, um, you know, there are a handful of bills that are going to pass, but the majority of their focus is patch- passing a budget. Mm-hmm. So um the way it works is that Senate and the House have to have the exact same language in their bills. Mm-hmm. So um, that where is where a lot of negotiating comes. So mm-hmm. um, yesterday we had a press conference. The governor was there. The you know the speaker and the Senate pro tem and all their you know leadership on those sides were there and to talk about what the budget looked like. So it was an eight point three billion dollar budget. And there were some good things for education. Okay. So Common Ed Fund um, received a 6% increase. And part of that was $171 million. $100 million was to restore the cuts that we had last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was good. But yeah, so that's one of the things that we tried to focus on. And we had, and we had talked um, in weeks past about how this could trigger 1017 and it does yes in the pre-k and and no in the kindergarten and first grade yeah uh, area the class size will now drop down to 20 unless unless you fall into some other category yeah like a specific waiver situation i mean that's a huge deal yeah because if we can get the class sizes lower i mean if we can find teachers that right. will be needed right. to fulfill the 1017 yes. mandates. That will be awesome in itself. Yes. But to have lower class sizes in those early grades as they're learning how to read and yes. learning those basic skills is is going to be good for them all the way through. And is if there if there could be a more critical time for that, right. I, I can't think of one. Right. So what happens now, like logistically, like it was just sort of announced that they've reached the deal, but they still have voting to do. Correct. So what happens is that the House and the Senate both have the Joint Committee of Appropriations and Budgets. Which I like protest that it's a joint committee and they have their own committees. I know. I honestly, Carrie, it took me a while to be like, (laughs) is it joint or that's just the word we use? Joint-ish. Joint-ish, which is we have separate committees. Where our bills share the same language. The joint separate committees. Yeah. They just left the dis off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So there are two committees, two one in each chamber. Okay. Yes. And there'll be language, House language and Senate language mm-hmm. in each of those committees. And so what happens is that in those JCAB committees, they pass that legislation and then it moves up to their House or their Senate it passes there and then it goes to the governor. There is no need for crossover, you know, voting in yeah. other House or Senate because they're voting on the exact same language. That yeah, makes sense. So that's next week. So that is next week. So we know the first, actually, as we are talking right now, the first um, JCAB meetings will be occurring. Um, and so they have about seven bills that are on there. None of those are the large budget bills. So one of the things is, is 
what was discussed in that committee yesterday on the press conference yesterday was outlining everything, but we don't have the bill language yet. So um, while we while we know that there is an increase for education, you know there were concerns in that press conference that, you know, made us nervous. Major concerns. Major mm-hmm. concerns around equal opportunity scholarship vouchers. So th- so there's so much horse trading that happens around budget negotiations. So what, and and I, I found it fascinating that they brought up equal opportunity scholarships in the budget talks as if there is, I mean, it's, I just found it interesting that it was a point of discussion so there's so they've got policy stuff still to vote on yeah well they're they're putting the policy into the jcap process because it really does minimize the amount of the ability to debate Mm -hmm. and um you just have one main vote yeah It, it seems like each each side the senate and the house used saved a a very important bill for the opposite chamber to use as a bargaining chip Mm -hmm. to get things done that they want to done. The Senate saved the um, vouchers Mm -hmm. and the House saved, no, opposite. The House wanted... No, you were right. House yeah. wanted tax. Credits. House wanted tax credits, mm-hmm. yeah. and so the Senate didn't pass those yet. Yeah, and the Senate wanted vouchers, and the House hasn't passed those yet. And so those are the things that were specifically talked about um, during the press conference. That you know, uh, that are the scary things for right. us. Right, and we, you know, to be clear with our audience, we haven't seen the exact language mm-hmm. that will be proposed under um, this voucher. But we know that throughout the last three sessions, we have defeated that legislation over and over again. So yes. we know overall that our legislators do not believe this is policy that positively impacts our state. And it's disingenuous because because it was defeated earlier in the session and and shouldn't move forward. But there, I mean, because we started out with 13 voucher bills, voucher bills and none of them passed both chambers and went on to the, go- I mean, none of that worked out, but here we are seeing it pop up that simmer to the top yeah. again. Um, the, um, just to, I, I want to talk about the equal opportunity scholarships a little bit um, because folks who might not be familiar, uh, people can donate to a, a state run scholarship fund for private schools, and then they can get, 50% back on their taxes or 75% if they're recurring donors. And those scholarships are open to um, families who have a pretty high income limit. And some of the, I mean, there's still a conversation surrounding that. Yeah. But um, last we heard that that limit was upwards of $114,000 for a family of four. Um, for comparison, SNAP benefits or eligibility is caps out at 34000 So it's a not necessarily for low-income families as it's usually touted. But, um, I mean, there are lots of reasons why funneling tax dollars to private schools is not great for anybody. Correct. And, and, you know, the legislators that we've reached out to who continue to be opposed to this um, feel that they were told in the beginning that there were going to be you know, changes to the educational landscape this session um, through the transfer bill and through funding. Mm -hmm. Um, And those were, you know, 
agreements that they made and what was off the table were vouchers yeah. and private school scholarships. Yeah. And to have this at the last minute um, feels real disingenuous um, to them. And it feels, you know, um, like not the commitment that they were given. So, And I will say that these, the, the, there's a private side and the public side. They're wanting to increase both sides. And the public school side is not interested in that. And yeah, that, that, I mean, that's true. And it's, it's the public school foundations right. are against it. Right. And, and those are the ones that would be benefiting. Right. You know, from, from this whole thing. So if, if they are the ones that are also against it, education in general is against it. Uh, we've got polling that shows a super majority of Oklahomans yeah. are against it. Yeah. Both Democrat and Republican, both parents of school-aged children and non, mm -hmm. then why would we continue to push a bill that Oklahomans don't want? And 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 one thing that and this is just me personally, I just that really is bothersome to me about this whole idea to start with, is that these scholarships are exclusionary. First of all, they're geographically exclusionary. There are only twenty five counties that have schools out of our seventy seven in the state that have schools that kids could even go to. So there's that. It's already disproportionately affecting rural communities negatively, and. Private schools don't have to let in anybody and they can kick out anybody. And the legislature even narrowed <laughs> the protections for kids. They don't have to do anything for special education. I mean, private schools by nature are exclusionary. They're allowed to be exclusionary and public schools are for everybody. And they and they don't have to follow the same rules and, and guidelines. They don't have to have certified teachers. Right, right. They don't have to do state testing. Right. There's no transparency and accountability to the money. Right. And they go to um to uh parochial mm -hmm. schools and um taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for private school tuition. Yeah. I mean, public funds for public schools. If if you, so controversial. If you want to <laughs> send your child to a private school, by all do means it. do you it. Have the choice to do right, that. Right, right. But don't expect the taxpayers for the good of all. Correct. Correct. To send public funds to a private school with no transparency and accountability. So what is the status of these? Like, when are they going to vote? I mean, next week or what are yeah, we? Yeah, so we just know it will drop at handfuls of times. So yeah, like okay. I said, there was about six bills that dropped today that JCAP will be voting on it. And then um, they will meet again on Monday. And so, um, so this is kind of priority for our members to reach out to their senator and representative to ask them to vote no. Um, and while we talk about the budget as like these were identical bills, you know, they they made compromises, all of those things, they are still from our expectation is that this bill will be run separately from everything else. Mm -hmm. And so you can still vote against equal opportunity and vote for the majority of the budget you want to support. Yes. They're because it would be log rolling. <laughs> right. Which means putting more than one subject in a bill, which is against the law. So they'll be separate. So yeah. lawmakers can make separate votes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and we'll be watching. We will be watching. Oh my word! It's just this time of year. Just 
like a lot. It's like an emotional lot. It is. One (laughs) other thing, there are, I will say, a handful of bills that are still kind of making their way through. And one that I thought was interesting for people to know is that there still may be language around um, that targets school, um, charter school, virtual schools. Um, this session. Oh, right. Because, um, because of, the of the grand jury. Because of the epic dr- grand jury. Yeah. And so we know that in the last couple of weeks, um, Representative Sheila Dills is um, thinking that they are going to push a bill that would um, require um, comparative bids for outside school management companies, oh. requirement for robust conflict of interest policies, and disclosing vendors and a host of specific oversight duties for what, charter what? school sponsors. Oh, man. So, you know, even though we're focused on the budget, there there are some bills that are coming up that I, you know, hope also pass. Man. All right. Well, we've only got two more weeks of session, so... All of the fireworks. So hold on tight. (laughs) Keep your phone close because we'll be texting. We'll be sending emails. Yes. yes. Asking our folks to get involved in the process. We've got to push the good stuff and kill the bad stuff. We're in the home stretch. So, and then it's summer. Yes. For (laughs) everyone. Well, thank you, Ellen, for for all the information. And thanks for um, your efforts across the street. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Well, we are so delighted to be joined today by Senior Policy Analyst for Budget and Tax, Paul Shin from Oklahoma Policy Institute. How are you, Paul? Hi, Carrie and Alicia. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, doing pretty well, you know, for a week where you learn about your state budget. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a busy week for you, I'm sure. So let's talk about, um, we we found out uh, the, the budget agreement yesterday, Thursday. Um, tell us your reaction whenever you, um, you heard what all was planned. Well, you know, um, there's a lot of good and a lot of disappointment in here, mm-hmm. Carrie, and that I, I think is probably true of most budgets in most yeah. states, and it certainly, you know, kind of continues a pattern in Oklahoma. So what were, for you, what were the highlights and what were the lowlights? Well, you know, highlights, seeing um, some money get back into the, the uh, pre-K to 12 education is obviously the biggie. Um, a, a big money increase, um, funding for the big wave of textbook needs, um, and enough funding to restore the class sizes in the kindergarten and grade one. Um, that was, I think, a little bit oversold by our, our state's leaders as, you know, we're taking care of class sizes. Um, right. When I was in school, the grades went beyond one and I think up to 12. And so, you know, <laughs> clearly there's some room to go there, but clearly that's a highlight. Um, restoring the earned income tax credit, which yeah. is which is the refundability of that credit, you know, which is a, um, a credit for low income working families. Um, in 2016, uh, in a, you know, pretty cynical attempt to balance the state budget, the legislature took that away and balanced the state budget on the, uh, on the, uh, Facts of you know a lot of minimum wage workers and and that's wrong. I'm it's very good that they restored that. I I you know it's it's been a long fight for the people who are in favor of that. It's a victory and it's important. Uh, looking forward, REITC remains in the bottom three 
as far as how much money someone gets oh, wow. with refund with refundability it's going to help about 200,000 families and it'll add 150 200 dollars to the, what they get in a tax refund in April that's important but it isn't enough to you know kind of change the trajectory for those families right there were some other good things in there um, a lot of money for broadband uh, yeah. they didn't do that as direct state spending um, what they did do is, is, you know, basically through exempting equipment from sales tax, that could work. It could really generate a lot of new investment. Um, I was happy to see that uh, they didn't only look at rural broadband where the needs are gigantic, but they also looked at broadband in cities, either where coverage isn't complete or where it isn't affordable for too many uh, residences. So, you know, we might be a little late to the party on that, but um, that can really make be a big investment in our but state. But at least we're at the party now. We came to the party. Talking about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Maybe one other thing that's worth mentioning is putting some extra money into the rainy day fund. Um, and, you know, when we get to talking about the economy, I'll probably use the word sugar high. Um, and, you know, it's entirely possible that we'll have less money next year than this year. Uh, and, and we do need to be ready for that. Well, let's talk about some of the low lights, things that surprised you or things that are maybe um, not great choices at this time? I don't know. You know, there were some investments that could have and should have been made um, in mental health, uh, in uh, DHS waivers for the developmentally disabled. You know, this morning in budget hearings, they talked about somehow wiping out the 13 year long waiting list for those with developmental disabilities who need services. Uh, yesterday, they added $2 million to that budget, which will serve about 200 of the thousands of people yeah. um, on the waiting list. So, you know, it, it, I think advocates are concerned that eliminating the waiting list means not letting people wait anymore, but not giving them services. So that's really harmful. Gotcha. Um, we may want to talk about tax cuts too. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask about. I was going to ask about that because it seems like you know things that I, as a complete layperson, <laughs> that I've heard when people think, oh well, we've got all this federal stimulus money, we've got all this relief funding coming um, to the states there's really not that much need for our state budget. We can just backfill and it's no big deal. Um, and so the the tax cut conversation was pretty front and center yesterday. It was, and it was clearly, um, the, the leadership is proud of that. And uh, they um, are working from a theory that lower taxes helps the economy. Uh, so far, nobody's been able to confirm that theory or even has much support for it. At this point, I guess we have kind of have to wait and hope that we're the folks who have figured this out. But, you know, teaser, we're not. History, history uh, is something that we should, you know, learn from. And um, we were talking before we got on about, you know, uh, what, 13 years ago, we had an influx of uh, federal funding to the state. And so we started cutting taxes. And, um, and then, 
guess what happened? Course services were cut, education cut. I mean, we were we were in the dredges and had 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 dug a hole so deep that we had a teacher walkout over education funding and and had to you know walk some of those tax uh, uh, tax cuts back. So you know, and we know that's not easy to do. So, no, and and you know they were asked yesterday, are you setting yourselves or your successors up for having to do that again? Um, only answer for that is, well, we're putting some money into the rainy day fund, but um, that only lasts so long. It's not a right. permanent solution if they need it. And and Carrie, going back to your question. Uh, that's the important thing to remember about this federal money. It's not a permanent solution either. Um, right. You know, it depends on you know per, which pot of money, but it's available to us um, for two or three, or in a couple instances, four years. Tax cuts are forever. Um, you know, uh, it's really, really hard for legislators to get the seventy-five percent majority for yeah. a tax cut. I was so, going to ask about that exactly, and Alicia alluded to it. There's a big difference in, in Oklahoma, uh, the process for cutting taxes versus raising taxes. Is it it's, it's, it's geared to cut. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a, a structural uh, system that leads us to have smaller government and makes it extremely difficult to turn around if we think we made a mistake. Well, I guarantee you educators won't wait 10 years of cuts. I would not think so. And I, you know, um, we've lost a lot of ground on the, you know, what really were modest teacher pay increases a couple of years. Um, the the pay for support staff, you know, was, was um, that was a completely inadequate token one year increase. Uh, they're further and further behind um, your Listeners probably know more people than I do who work in schools, particularly support, but also teachers who also need public assistance for food or housing or, or um, you know, and that's so wrong. Aver an average support professional makes less than $20,000 a year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I can't imagine raising a family on that. No, I mean, um, so difficult. Most of them probably have at least one other job. At least, yes. So, when we look at the budget as a whole, eight point three billion dollars, and we talk about, um, you know, it seems like every year we have a conversation about record investment, but the state is always growing and there's inflation, so it should be. But um, do you feel that this budget is responsible? Is it um, too? too big, too small? Is it appropriate for where we are at this point in time? Well, um, you know, democracy has its moments, um, but it, this is not reflective of me. It's reflective of all Oklahomans. And that's the question we really need to ask ourselves and our neighbors is, is this good? Um, yeah. Are we where we need to be? Now, you mentioned the inflation and in population. I didn't run the numbers yet, but um, 
this budget, if you adjust for inflation and if you adjust for how much growth we've had in population, uh, it's probably 15% below what the budget was um, in the, you know, since the last 13 years that Alicia mentioned. So then we have to ask, well, how's that working? You know, how how is it? Um, I think per pupil spending adjusted for inflation is down by a quarter since yeah. 2008. Um, higher ed spending is down, ignoring inflation and ignoring, um, ignoring population growth and student growth. It's down, I think, 25%. Um, you know, we saw over the last year, what happens when you gut funding for your health department? Um, we see every day what happens from our dramatic, uh, underinvestment in mental health, uh, and our, under investment in diverting people from prison and in you know prison reentry, where you know to their credit, the legislature made some good steps this year. But still, um, you know, you you want to look at that, and we've gone from you know maybe fortieth to forty seventh or forty eighth in taxes. And the question that I ask myself and my neighbors and anyone who will listen to me is, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Because I don't feel it is. Right. It's like we take one step forward and two steps back. Exactly. Um, I call it the roller coaster. You know, every once in a while, we, we start down this sleep, steep hill. And every two, three years, we bump the budget up a little bit. And then we start down on the next, uh, you know, the next downhill. And you know what happens at the end of a roller coaster ride? You flatline. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's depressing. Oh. <laughs> 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 So what, but I mean, it's accurate. So it's an accurate. Uh, so what, what can people do? I mean, at this point, you know, the, the budget's a done deal for this year. What, when the average Oklahoman is feeling, um, it can feel overwhelming, you know, and it feel, you know, you can feel like, oh my gosh, there's not progress being made. What can people do? Just the average people who were not senior policy analysts and who aren't lawmakers, like how can, how can Oklahomans um, take, take a role in this? Well, you know, you need to start by talking with your legislature and let them know what's what's important to you and what's not acceptable. Um, yeah. And and you know the uh, and you need to call the governor's office. Um, you need to also if say have a uh, developmentally. Ad- developmentally disabled, um, you know, sibling or child, um, you need to call DHS and ask, hey, what's the plan here? You know, what will it take? And what can I do to help to get my, 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 you know, family and my friends and neighbors the services they need? Um, We're, we're just not prepared or preparing to give everyone the public services that they need. And honestly, I think the services we're paying for. Um, and, and we've got to let our elected leaders know that we're not satisfied. And, and there are still bills to be passed about the budget and the budget to be passed. So, um, so folks should reach out to their legislator now and say, you know, this budget doesn't represent my, you know, my belief system, and here's why. Mm-hmm. And and um, you know, I already had a, a discussion yesterday with 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 uh, with with my 
state representatives and said, you know what, I don't want that tax cut. I don't need that tax cut. Um, right. Except for the earned income tax credit, you're handing money largely to people make who make over $100,000. And we're fine. Thank you very much. Um, who isn't fine is the people who, you know, ended up in jail because there was no mental health intervention. Yep early in the process or, you know, or the kids who are in overcrowded classrooms, if they're not in kindergarten, um, <laughs> you know, with teachers who are underpaid, with support staff who are underpaid um, and uh, not adequate supplies or, you know, all of those things. I don't want that. I mean, you know, uh, I, I need all of those things to be fixed way, way more than I need a tax cut. So, so if folks want to know more about the, the budget and how that is reflective, where, where can they go and find information about, about the budget? Because it was just in a press conference yesterday. We only know tiny bits about it. So, mm -hmm. you know, how can we get the full picture? Well, at this point, you're, we're going to have to wait for the legislature to re to tell us the full picture. Um, yeah. You, there are a couple of decent media stories out today. Uh, and um, you can also have a look at our website, okpolicy.org. At this point, we just have a, um, you know, kind of a summary and statement available. We'll have something out Monday or Tuesday that is kind of what we call a first look at the budget. Um, uh, as you mentioned, you know, there, at this point, we haven't seen a budget bill. We haven't seen the tax bills. Um, I was told yesterday they don't even have a firm number on what the tax bills will cost. They think they're in the ballpark. Um, wow. And we yeah. haven't seen, you know, Department of Commerce got, I think, a $45 million increase, but we haven't seen the bill that will say what they can and can't do with that money. You know, there, there's just a lot unknown. Um, wow. And that in itself is something that we ought to be talking to legislators about. You know, how do how does every other state introduce a budget bill in February or March and have hearings and debate it in public to where, you know, by now it would be down to only two or three things that weren't resolved and we'd be able to see them resolve them on the House floor or the Senate floor, you know. Um, As you say that, my gut reaction is it is May 14th. Yeah. Holy macaroni. <laughs> yeah. Hundred days, a hundred days into the session, there are. Um, I've been spending a lot of time looking at other states, and not just because I'm thinking about moving there, but I want to know no. more <laughs> about their budget processes. Um, you know, uh, there are three other states in the country that don't haven't at least introduced a budget now. Um, New Jersey is one, Arizona is one, Nevada is one. Um, two thirds of the states have adopted one by now. Um, oh, wow. And it isn't just the, you know, wait, 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 wait. Uh, the, the wait is bad. The hurry up is worse. You know, um, you guys have seen this enough in Oklahoma. This sucker is going to be introduced and passed all next week, you know, five days. That's not normal. Normal is three months. Uh, is about what the average state runs wow. and doing it in public is normal. And, um, you know, our legislators say we don't have time for that. We have to come to agreements. Um, you know, if 40 other states have figured it out how to do that, I don't understand why we can't. Yeah. And for a majority party who is professes transparency and accountability to not 
allow for the input of their constituents or to see the process and how it works is is disingenuous. And and we've used that word before, but but it's the truth. Absolutely. You know, um, Governor Stitt uh, takes a lot of pride in the uh, transparency and how we spend our money. Um, but he is like the anti-transparency machine in budgeting. He doesn't allow agencies to request increases. Uh, Which so, is mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. And it's like, you know, we've got all of these well-paid, highly qualified people, leading state agencies, I'm going to just wild guess that, um, you know, <laughs> that, that the, the, the person in the Department of Health has a pretty good idea about what they need to be the most right. effective Department of Health they can. And he's not allowed to share that idea. That's nuts. Right. Yeah. Or to, or to say, hey, we've got an increase of, you know, 8% of kids in DHS custody. Mm -hmm. We need more funding for that. Yeah. In, in most states, that kind of funding is automatic. In most states, the budget starts with what they spent last year, plus cost for program growth, plus cost of inflation. And most states build in annual pay raises for state employees and for teachers, too. You know, I, mm. I think I think <laughs> novel there. Mm -hmm. I, but I think that one of the challenges as just like regular lay people is that we don't we don't know what we don't know about this process, that it is possible to do it openly. It is possible to propose it three months ago and have these conversations. You know, we I think sometimes it's hard to to know even to ask for better to say this is not good enough for our state. Yeah, I really like the way you said that. We don't know what we don't know, um, and we don't know what a different, you know, where that other path we've never looked at leads to. Well, we also don't know the numbers, but I guess we'll find out some some point in the coming days. So that's right. Well, we will be following along, and, and your analysis as you guys keep, you know, putting information out when we when we know more. So we know it's a very busy time for you, Paul, and we appreciate your time very much. Well, it's no busier for me than it is for you, and I <laughs> wish you the best of luck in surviving the next few weeks. And um, really, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, teachers, support staff who are listening, thank you very much. Uh, on behalf of the governor and the legislature, I apologize, but we're going to get there. I swear we're going to get there. Yes. And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. Do, 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 do. We have some great things to talk about today, including make sure that you are checking your emails frequently, mm -hmm. responding to texts, and, um, and following through with patch-through calls that we're going to be doing. You know, we really do need your help in continuing to contact legislators. And if, if you get a call from the OEA office... Answer the phone. 405-528-7785 is going to be that number. Mm -hmm. And um, we're not going to try to book you a cruise. Right, right. We don't want to do anything about your <laughs> car. Uh, <laughs> we just we just want to. We just want you to contact your legislators 
and um, and mm-hmm. let's take care of this voucher bill uh, once and for all, mm-hmm. as if we haven't done it already several times this year. But <laughs> we'll say once and for all again. For real. For real this time. Hopefully. <laughs> Shenanigans. <laughs> or what it was that other word? Jiggery pokery. Jiggery pokery. <laughs> all right. Um, so moving beyond that, save the date for summer leadership, July 15th. Yeah. That will be um, the new president's inaugural summer leadership. So you want to hear from Catherine and, and see what's going on and, and get, get all trained up. I love summer leadership. It's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, I imagine that it's going to be virtual again, just because that seems to be the safest thing for right now still. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we had over 500 people attending last year yeah so i mean that's double what we have ever had yeah so um so it allows people to not have to spend the money and the time driving to yeah the metro area so mark your calendars for july 15th i'm sure it's going to be fantastic um and we also with the change of presidents uh have new appointments to standing committees at OEA. Yeah. So as you know, member-driven organization, Mm -hmm. and we have 16 standing committees, and all of the people who are appointed to those are volunteers, Mm -hmm. uh, educators, Mm -hmm. who are giving their time and talent to to drive the business of the association. So um, make sure if you're interested in being on an OEA committee, uh, that you go to okea.org slash committees and fill out the application. Um, the deadline to apply is Monday, May 31st. And you can see their, like what they do. And then you can also see what they've done this year. Right. Like what they do overall, but then also like what they've been up to. Yeah. We want you, we don't want to plug people into committees that they don't have an interest in. Yeah. Right. So if you're not interested in professional development, pass. then pass on the IPD committee. If <laughs> you know, if I was put on like the legal committee, I would be terrible. Well, I'd be like, well, I'm going to nap. If I was on. Nobody the, would know because it's a double top secret. Oh, committee. that's right. That's true. That's true. If I was on like any financial, the budget committee. I, I was chair of the budget. Oh, my God. And so that is not my forte as well. <laughs> but um, but it's some people's jams. Like, but there's, like, all different kinds of things, right? whatever you're into. Yeah, and, and we want to plug people in. Yeah. And, um, and if you're interested and will show up. I mean, there are two committee Saturdays a year. Yeah. That's and it. and then some committees meet virtually mm-hmm. beyond that to get their work done. Mm-hmm. So, um, or to extend their work. Because they want to move things forward in yeah. this association. Committee work shouldn't be only in these four walls yeah. of the OEA building. Yep. Yep. We, it should be way out there. Yep. So, um, so get involved. Do it. Do it. Do it now. And <laughs> in other exciting news, uh, we have a new support local. Um, applause, applause, applause. <laughs> so, uh, Choctaw Nakoma Park uh, support employees mm-hmm. had a vote yesterday, and we ha- have a new education support uh, local in Choctaw. So, 
So enjoy bargaining. It, bargaining local. Man. I think that that's like a like a, there's all, all this work to become a bargaining local, and then I just imagine you're like, oh man, and now we bargain. It's like a huge, <laughs> a huge undertaking. Yeah, and so. and getting a contract together, um, it's taken Mustang, yeah, a year. Yeah, I mean it's not like because you're starting from scratch. Yeah, well that. Uh, I'm excited for them. Yes. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's so. that's like our third support local in 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 this last year during the pandemic. I mean, because like think of all the things that you have the pandemic has thrown into high relief. Right. I mean, good. Good. Get out yeah. there and bargain for yourselves. You're worth it. You are. Man. Well, uh, we want to say thank you so much to Ellen Pogamiller of our legislative team, Paul Shin of the Oklahoma Policy Institute uh, for joining us today. We want to say thank you to you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Carbonell Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week for all the latest. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education because we are worth it.